Hey everyone, Becky from The Shift Team here, and we're back with a new mini episode to help everyone with some quick listens to get great ideas and tools for gymnastics. In this mini podcast episode, Dave sits down with head strength and conditioning coach of Michigan women's gymnastics, Lou Porciazu, about what he uses with their student athletes to build culture high performance and safety. Some of the best runners and sprinters in the world, they're smooth. They're smooth not only on the lower half, but especially the upper half. Their face is generally relaxed. Their neck controllers are relaxed. They're swinging freely from the shoulder in this front to back versus side to side motion. And they're not, they're not trying harder. (laughs) That's, that's, it's, it's, it's funny. And, and, I'd like to point it out as much as I can, because if you can get somebody to just be a little bit more fluid and relaxed, it's less energy. It's less energy for them to, to move at the same rate, if not faster, uh, with less fatigue that, that accumulates. And that could be, uh, gymnastics wise, that could be, um, on a bar routine or, or certainly on, on floor. If they can just find a way to relax a little bit, instead of just trying harder and gritting their teeth and trying to gut it, gut it out. Relax a little bit. Find a way to, to take that few seconds you might have in between with, like you talk about with choreography and and, and some of the dance and leap series that are a little less stressful. If mm-hmm. you can find a way to, to bring yourself down and just take that extra breath and moment to to stay relaxed. Um, in the Power Monkey Camp, I met Chris Hinshaw, who is uh, one of the best energy system coaches, you know, around in terms of like he coaches Matt Frazier and like all these like studs in like the CrossFit world, right? So he was a competitive triathlon runner at the highest level and marathon runner. And so like when he was talking about developing sprint potential, he's like, yeah, we're looking at a one to six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 work to rest ratio with maximal efforts. And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Let me do some math here. I got, I got 30, 30 minutes in a cardio session. That means I'm going to be working for six minutes out of all of my like stuff. And so I started programming workouts that he was teaching me where we would do like a two to three minute, you know, feel like your, your brain's going to fall out because you're going so hard on sled pushes or whatever you're doing. And then you would do some very active, you know, low type one lunges or presses with very slow movements to clear some of that fatigue from the, the type two fibers. But like, I was like, the kids are just standing around forever. It's like, it was so hard to have the inner itch of me of like my old school coaching day, which is like circuits and everyone has to be sweaty and huffing and puffing. And I realized I look back, I'm like, I was just creating long, awful aerobic circuits and nobody was getting better at their three floor, you know, tumbling routine because I wasn't training the right adaptations of two to three minutes of hard work or like upper body bike sprints. And then some sort of clearance with what would represent dance or leaps or jumps. And then another go get a movement and like, Oh yeah. The reason they were falling on their last pass all the time is because of me. Cause I wasn't programming correctly and I didn't understand anaerobic windows and stuff like that. So I think, I think there's a time and a place for specific recovery based modalities. Uh, so some examples might be, uh, Norma tech or, or, um, foam rollers, vibrating foam rollers, a crossball, all these different, these different tools and, and modalities of, uh, that are more passive, right? In, in a lot of ways, they're more p- passive modes. I think have their time and place, especially as you uh, get deep into the season and you're looking for every bit of competitive advantage. What can you do for the other 40-something weeks of the year to make sure that, that you're as prepared as possible so that you can, you can take advantage of those, uh, uh, of the, the, the uh, benefits of those different modalities? And that's good sleep. It's good quality sleep and, and the appropriate amount, not three hours during the week and then 12 hours on Saturday and Sunday. 
uh, it's good nutritional habits and understanding how nutrition impacts performance and, and how it's fuel for performance and building a healthy relationship about it, uh, around it. It's good strength development through full ranges of motion, uh, both anterior and posteriorly. Uh, from a really general standpoint, it's good energy system development. Um, it's good understanding of of coaches and that strength coaches and gymnastics coaches on how to vary volumes and intensity. So it's not always high volume, always high intensity. Burn the candle from both ends and and hope that uh, hope that it sticks and that people stay healthy enough uh, and so that you can duct tape them at the end of the really season. Quite. Obviously, uh, you get can, physiological adaptations, but we're teaching a lot of mental skills through strength conditioning and through gymnastics in, in, in general is, you know, how can you find uh, calm in the chaos? I think that's a really important concept for a lot of gymnasts to master of whether we're talking about on your seventh repeat sprint out of 10 where you're like, oh, yeah, this is I'd rather not do three more of these. Like, what are you saying to yourself in your head to drive calm, right, to keep yourself controlled? Because maybe we're talking about keeping vagal tone and parasympathetic, whatever that geeky stuff, or it's more just like what you say between your ears and your head is going to dictate if you're going to get through this completely. And if you trust your training, you've done the work. And if you put the work in now, it's going to translate when you're on the big stage and you're dancing into your third pass and you're like, I'm dying right now. I feel, I feel like I'm going to die right now, but don't hit the panic button. And I'm always, always kind of repeating that. And I think that applies really well to life as well especially the concept, which has become an arc of my life, which is finding calm in the chaos, no matter what. And there's not more of a time that it's appropriate that I'm trying to teach the athletes that life lesson than right now, middle of COVID crazy stuff going on in gymnastics with athlete. A, the culture is changing. We're finding out some things that are very uncomfortable, right? But you have to be able to do something in your daily life or in your, your strategies of mental health to find calm. Right. So as far as, as far as why let's, we talk about it. Well, you increase blood flow to to the areas that we've addressed, right? Lower body, uh, lower body soreness or doms in the lower body. Um, your groin's tight, your hamstrings are tight, your quads are tight, your hips, hip flexors are tight from a variety of exercises you did on Monday. Well, we address that. We, inc we uh, uh, increase blood flow to the area. Uh, we went through full ranges of motion that, that maybe you've neglected since, mm -hmm. since that training session. You're starting to develop strength through those ranges because you maintain control throughout the duration. Uh, and over the course of time, if you can maintain it, assuming that you stay healthy and maintain and address and, and really push end ranges without um, losing positions, I think that's where you that's where you help to maintain, if not improve flexibility. Whereas uh, strength training through partial ranges of motion, although it's there's some benefit to to that at different times of the year and for certain individuals, I think that's where you'll see some limitations and some potentially lack of flexibility. There's a sand hourglass. A season starts where the sand starts to trickle, right? And and that's going to be inevitable, right? So what we're trying to do with strength conditioning is put more sand in the hourglass, higher capacity. We know that VO2 max and fitness levels and high chronic workloads are correlated with less injury risk and better performance as of the stats we know right now. So we're trying to put more sand in your team's hourglass to get through that long grind of season and make it to nationals and reg or regionals and nationals and be better. And then the role of good coaching, good communication, good medical care, good strength conditioning, tweaking, good volume is like letting the sand come through that hourglass slower. Let's, let's reduce the pinch bottleneck. So now we're kind of manipulating the equation at both times, but inevitably it's going to go down. And I think when you drive that performance conversation, people really buy in. So I, I encourage people to have that mindset of what can we do to build your capacity? Not what can we do to keep you from getting hurt in the weight room? There's kind of a U curve here of, of how sport specific your movement patterns are and how, how much variability you have here, right? You can be certainly not 
not gymnastics enough where you don't have a good technical basis. You don't have the shaping. You're not doing enough of the proficiency of the mastering of the basics. But in my world, what I see, especially on the medical side, in terms of mobility losses, you can be too gymnastic specific. Right? And we see this in the baseball world is we've known and we've shown this through studies that if you throw a bullpen and you throw hard and you get, you lose overhead elevation, you might also lose some of your layback and you're at more risk of an elbow injury, but also your performance is going to drop down because you can't hit your velo. And we've seen this in Olympic lifters. And we've also seen this in so many gymnasts because we have, uh, we're fortunate to see across the whole year, how people change on movement screens and stuff. And, and we've seen that if you swing a lot of bars, if you're a bar specialist and you lose overhead mobility, you may start to become too gymnastic specific and you start to maybe tweak your back because now you're tapping from your, your, your hinging from your back instead of using your lats, vice versa. Gymnasts squeeze their legs together and point their toes and squeeze their quads for a living every day. So if you get too gymnastic specific of your quad, your adductors and your calves being stiff, you're going to lose your opposite pattern, which is a squat, which is your legs apart, hinging, right? And, and squatting with ankle dorsiflexion. So we've definitely seen getting too far gone on one side. And on the medical side, we're doing a lot of maintenance care um, on trying to prevent some of those things. I want you to be you is what Mike tells me, right? Like, I don't want you to be more than you or less than you. When you pick up a baseball, when you walk out to do bars, I want you to be the best version of you, which is how your movement screen is normal. And that's where strength conditioning comes in, right? Again, another way to address some strength development, a little bit higher intensity, but pretty low volume. So it's not a ton of fatigue uh, accumulation from that that heavier loaded movement, say a back squat or, or a trap bar deadlift or what have you, followed by something, uh, a reduced load, but higher velocity. So you're working on both sides of the spectrum, high force, lower velocity, higher velocity, lower force, or uh, even kind of getting into some kind of French contrast training, uh, which yep. I've borrowed a bit from Cal Dietz. Yep. Um, Shout out Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Big 10, Big 10 partner there. Uh, and, you know, so, so taking advantage of the fact that, that we can do a heavy movement, a body weight movement and an assisted movement, let's say, mm -hmm. uh, and, and looking at getting them to tap in and, and improve the, the, the motor pattern, uh, or the, the motor unit recruitment and the patterning of a similar movement without accumulating excess fatigue goes a long way. Yeah. Not everything. And this, this is slightly off tangent, but it relates to I think, this bigger conversation, not everything you have to do in terms of conditioning or, or strength development has to be incredibly fatiguing. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't have to leave feeling like you're on the verge of, of losing your lunch. And, that, and that's, that's something that also I think is, is difficult for, for a lot of people to wrap their head around and uh -huh. that's in gymnastics or, or in athletics in general. And really probably even in the non-athletic population or the general population, if you will, uh, you don't have to, leave feeling exhausted and like you couldn't possibly do one more rep of any exercise mm -hmm. without feeling like you're in a collapse. It's not about that. Now, there's sessions that are harder than others and more challenging than others for, for a variety of reasons, hopefully intentionally by, by a strength coach that knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it should never be about running someone into the ground to make them feel like they got a good workout. Before, but like we kind of have two different ways to maximize the force times velocity equation, right? We have the more of the neurological side, we have more of the biological or so neuroplastic or bioplastic changes, right? And I think on the gymnastics side, we really maximize the neurological bucket, right? Where we're, we're teaching kids how to be really stiff, right? When they do some of their plyos and stuff like that, we're teaching kids how to create high levels of tension with whole body squeezing. And what's that doing is that's, that's synchronizing available motor units, right? That's allowing you to access what you have better and maybe get squeeze the juice out of the orange so much that you're really, really not leaking too much energy. 
but also like on the velocity side, we have, that's where technique comes in, right? Having better technique helps to maximize stiffness and reduce energy. You learn how to tune the equipment, you tune the floor, you tune the rails, you can put your hands in a better position to have more potential energy, right? All these things. But like on the other side of the equation, like there's so much potential we're losing because we're not entertaining some of these bioplastic changes that come from external loading, which is well-documented, which is recruiting larger muscle units to access for big power outputs, right? Or like disinhibition, for example, of like using external load of, of progressive overload helps to unlock more motor units because your body's like, oh man, I'm having a tough time getting this load up. I need to do this. Or you get some fatigue involved and you fatigue out some earlier motor units you're used to using in your last seven, eight, nine, ten 10 reps of those end range cycles you get. But also I think what's really important and a potential that a lot of people could be like really have a light bulb moment is like the ability to express maximal impulse and power in a safe setting is a huge opportunity for gymnasts, right? Because we all know being able to go full bore on a, a full in or a double layout is hard because you're nervous about the potential injury, right? But there's really not a lot of risk if you're doing it well with like an explosive med ball throw or an explosive trap bar deadlift or like some sort of sled pushing that's really aggressive with high impulse, right? Like, and I think that's a huge opportunity that we're leaving potential on the table because if you can safely put somebody and well maybe we'll touch on this with energy systems too but like you can like try to throw this thing as hard as you possibly can like break the ball in half you're going to get way more out of that versus like do this tumbling pass as hard as you possibly can don't hold back at all like there's what has the more risk you know what i mean one clearly has more risk with the actual skill hopefully you enjoyed this mini podcast episode let us know if it was helpful and if you have any suggestions of what you'd like to learn about next. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. I just want to let you know before we sign off here that a couple things we'd love for you to do. So one is please just make sure that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, because that really does help the episode grow quite a bit. And then second, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you left us a review as well and told us what you liked about it. You know, what information was useful, what things were not useful, would you like to know more about, what guests you want to have on in the future. And then also as you kind of go about your day, if you found something really useful, just toss it up on social media. We love to hear from people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all the different websites that they're using for social media. Facebook is great too. But yeah, let us know what you like, because honestly, the podcast comes from people who just tell us what they're finding useful. And that's how we create the next set of content. So yeah, tag us in the podcast or tag us online, whatever you're doing it and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks.